What's up, everyone? We're back for another episode of Locked On Bucks, and Justin's back as well, and he's pumped. The St. Louis Blues just won in overtime. We we waited till the end of what I would say was the most entertaining sports game on tonight because Celtics-Miami Heat was a painful experience for everyone involved, uh, but Justin's finished the hockey. His boys are still alive, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the injuries in this year's postseason and the fact that I'm sick of hearing about it. It's the conference finals. We don't need to keep talking about the injuries. We're also going to look at free agent wings that potentially uh, the Bucks could look at. And how is the East looking? Is it actually looking like the East is going to be strong next year or is it going to be pretty weak? I think it's an interesting question, so let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Uh, you can see and hear me on this show uh, Monday to Friday, even during the off-season and find my work over at ESPN as well. And alongside me from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia. Uh, of course, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or your first uh, listen. If you're old school, you do a podcast style. If you're uh, you know, into the YouTube stuff, then I guess you're looking at us right now, which to me is a little bit strange, but um, I'm happy that you all do it. That's for sure. And if you haven't subscribed yet, do that on YouTube. And by the way, uh, Justin, we were going to have a little uh, tripod action tonight with Camille, but uh, unfortunately, one thing you need uh, when you're podcasting is uh, a voice. And poor poor, poor old Camille, uh, the voice is struggling at the moment. So we should say, uh, feel better, Camille. Get that voice back. Come back on the pod. Uh, And Frank's still traveling around. I don't know where he is right now. I think, uh, like I said, he was down at Disney with the Lopez brothers, I think, and and who knows what he's up to. But we'll drag Frank back on the podcast at some point. Uh, but we just sat through, as I said, we're going to get to free agent wings. We're going to get to the state of the East. But I need to talk about what we've just seen on our TVs, Justin. This was a disgusting playoff game between Miami and Boston. And quite frankly, it's been an awful series. And I think if you're a Bucks fan, you are looking at this and you're thinking, my goodness, this Miami team, is as limited offensively as what we thought they were. Yeah, they might be a little bit banged up. Everyone's banged up, which brings me to my point. I am so sick of scrolling through Twitter. These these reporters that, that are covering this series, they're like, oh my goodness, Jason Tatum's looks like he's wincing. Looks like he's holding his shoulder. Oh, Marcus Smart is like grabbing his hip. Derek White looks like he's hurt his hamstring. Al Horford is old. They, every time these guys do anything right now, it feels like there's a career-ending injury, is the Eastern Conference Finals. Everyone is sore, Justin. Everyone is banged up. They just played 70 games in the regular season. Who cares if they get a little, a few bumps and bruises? They can play through it. We don't need to act like it's the end of the world. Uh, the fact that, and this is going to sound like we're bitter uh, Bucks fans that <laughs> uh, lost to the Celtics, but the fact that it's this team, and you know, think back to game one in the series between the Bucks and the Celtics where it looked like Marcus Smart dislocated his shoulder and done for the series back in the game. And granted, missed game two, but comes back minutes later. Robert Williams, I thought, tore his groin. And it seems like it was a little more serious as he missed the majority of the series towards the end. But this is just every single time. What, game three, two, where it was the same with Jason Tatum 
and with Marcus Smart again and Marcus Smart screaming on camera in pain and then back on the floor. So the whole experience with the Celtics is um, nauseating. And look, I think <laughs> the biggest concern the Bucks fans had going into the semifinals when you knew I think everybody knew in their heart of hearts, Chris wasn't going to come back. You were just clinging to hope and some maybe false reports that were out there that he was going to be back for game six or game seven and, and towards the end. But I think we all kind of knew he's not coming back and we're just clinging to hope of him returning. So with that realization, you looked at the East and you said, wait a minute, if we lose, it's going to be Boston, Philadelphia or Miami that we are pinning our hopes on for the remainder through the Eastern conference and hoping to see lose. So the three worst fan bases for bucks fans to deal with or who you were left with. Now it's maybe the two biggest ones out there in this conference finals. And the most frustrating thing about Boston is they're a good team. They're good enough to get by without this, without the flopping. I caught some of the fourth quarter tonight and wanted to burn my eyes out, but Jason Tatum grifting for fouls. It's just, it's really bad. And, you know, when you look at these scores, too, I mean, look, the Bucks were brutal in the half court in that series. Celtics weren't great either. I think we should point that out. But Miami is doing some of these things that the Bucks did. So you feel at least a little better to say, okay, somebody else can shoot below 20% on threes and score less than 100 points and look this bad in the half court. So this, is, this has just been a, a, a really, really, really bad playoffs. I was actually... Uh, having this conversation the other day with our, our pal on the Bucks radio network, Ben Bruss, that this has been a bad postseason. And it's not just my team isn't in it anymore, therefore I'm not going to watch and I'm bitter. It's been bad. I mean, think back to last year. We had some compelling first-round series. That Mavs-Clippers series was great. Even the Suns-Lakers early on with the Anthony Davis injury, and that one went six. It was at least intriguing. The second round last year, except for Suns-Nuggets, Really good. Three good series. Bucks-Nets was a classic. Uh, Sixers-Hawks went seven games. Both of the conference final series go six games, and they had their moments of intrigue, especially when Giannis went down, and then the finals was good. So you had that. This year, Timberwolves-Grizzly series has been really good or was really good. Bucks-Nets, everybody points to this was good and, and shaping up to be a classic. It went seven games but it was kind of what we've seen in the postseason where it wasn't really that pretty and the Celtics should have won in five. And then this series feels like it's a continuation of Bucks Celtics. So this has just been a really disappointing postseason so far. It has. And that's why you have turned to the NHL. But uh, what I will say uh, is, you know, maybe the Warriors can save us. Uh, I wouldn't say at Golden State, Dallas has been that entertaining as well, but it does look <laughs> like it's probably going to be uh, Golden State, Boston, and we'll see. Maybe we'll get some good games uh, there in the playoffs. If I, you know, it does look like Golden State probably will roll through. And and as much as we talk about the injuries, my I guess my point is that everyone's injured at this point of year. Everyone's tired. Anytime someone pulls up with a little limp, uh, let's not overreact and act like uh, they may never play again for the rest of the season. So it's been a little bit of tough to watch. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and maybe there's some sour grapes there. Of course, we always admit that. Uh, one thing that's been interesting, and at the start of this week, I spoke about Brook Lopez uh, a lot. So people are probably sick of me talking about Brook Lopez and they know my opinion. I think he should be back in the box. I think he's still a very influential part of this Bucks team getting back to the NBA Finals. Uh, Bam has been interesting in this series to watch, though. And really, throughout the playoffs, he has had his struggles 
against big men. And it's not just uh, struggling to score, but he's actually just not shooting at all. And it's interesting because I think back to last year in the sweep, oh, in the bubble, Bam was really influential. Uh, last year when the Bucks swept Miami, there was stretches in games where he just looked like he was scared to even shoot. He didn't want to shoot those little mid-range jump shots that he could have had really at any time he wanted. He didn't want to shoot them. He didn't want to go anywhere near Brook Lopez in the paint or Giannis when he was lurking around as well. So it's just another just thing to, to keep in mind. When you look at Bam, the way he's played, uh, we're going to talk more about what teams we think are going to be uh, leading or contenders in the East moving forward. But, geez, Justin, it, I think Bam is another reason why, when you're looking at teams that could potentially contend next year, that Brooke could have a significant impact in that series. Yeah, I mean, it, it's still, you would look at Miami, you would look at uh, Philadelphia, as we know, we think, Embiid is still going to remain there. Uh, despite what seemed like maybe pandering to join the Miami Heat on Twitter earlier tonight. But well, then you would uh, definitely you know, need him against Miami if that's the well, case, right. I'll tell you what. Um, unless they just swap teams there. Um, yeah. But yeah, those two teams, and those are certainly, I would assume, going to be at least in the top five in the Eastern Conference next year and, and towards the top. So we had the conversation several times last year and this year, and feels like for the, the eternity here of Brooke Lopez, but he is more important than you realize. And I think we we that were on the side that didn't get that finally realized that this regular season. Um, so I've seen a lot of people lining up these Brooke Lopez trades and I get because of the value of his contract. Yeah. It's in that area where the Bucks don't have a lot, but- And age, like, a, there is a number of factors age, that sure. I can understand. And the, and yeah. The, yeah, and the fact that he's coming off of an injury as well or back surgery. Mm-hmm. So all of it makes sense, but I'm in no hurry to trade him because you saw how much of a different team this is with him versus without the one thing is it's the final year in his deal i would be curious to see what the future holds for him you do at some point have to start making a plan for and thinking of of life after lopez if you're the bucks you do and uh i tell you what i would trade though and that's some faulty car parts for some uh brand new car parts and you can do that at rockauto.com uh family business has been serving auto parts customers for over 20 years i was pretty happy with that one honestly sometimes Sometimes you can't come up with the transitions, but I think that one was pretty good, uh, if I don't say so myself. You can. Uh, why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Uh, an example here, Honda Odyssey fuel pump, 353 bucks from a chain store, 216 bucks from Rock Auto. Uh, the prices like that are always reliably low for every customer, whether you're an expert or you're just uh, an everyday fella like myself they have everything you can need from brake parts tail lamps motor oil and even new carpets so go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box today now we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com uh we were talking about the nba draft uh, before we got started. And we're not going to talk about it today, but the Bucks do have pick 24, and it's still just strange to me to even you know, consider the draft. It feels like years since I was really looking into uh, draft picks and what the Bucks potentially might do. And uh, who knows if they'll keep this eventual uh, selection, but we'll see. Uh, but keep up to date with the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. Uh, so if you want to know the guys that are in the range there for pick 24, listen to that podcast, and they'll have you covered. Uh, we kind of just hinted on it, before the break there uh, about 
you know, Miami are a team we suspect are going to contend. Philadelphia, I suspect, are going to be there. But it's interesting because I think when I look out to the West, I'm looking at the teams out in the West and I'm saying, I know the East the last couple of years had somewhat of a comeback as, as the powerful conference. I'm just not so sure that that's going to be the case next year. Uh, when you look at the West and obviously Golden State are back on the scene, Memphis, you think, are going to continue to get better. Dallas should continue to get better. The Clippers are going to get their guys back. Denver will get their guys back. Phoenix, go on and on and on and on. In the East, I see Milwaukee as a as a lock to be a contender. Um, you know, I, I think I still think that they'll be the best team in the conference if they stay healthy. Uh, of course, there's off-season moves to be done. I figure Miami will be around, but certainly Kyle Lowry hasn't looked like a young uh, spring chicken this uh, series. Jimmy Butler continues to get older. They'll be thereabouts. They'll be competitive. They always are. Philadelphia, if they go again with James Harden, which they probably will, see what happens there. Brooklyn is a mess. Who knows what's going to happen with that situation? Uh, and, and I just don't know about the younger teams in the East, whether any of them are screaming out to me right now. Again, before free agency, all those types of things. I don't know if any of the, the younger teams in the East are screaming out to me as uh as about to take that big leap so like the knicks uh, the Cavs, the hawks uh those types of teams i don't know if any of those teams are, are looking like they're going to be a contender next year so uh, i guess the point i'm making is that for all the talk of the window and everyone wants to talk about the window and what the bucks are going to do to me i, I don't see the east as some sort of terrifying uh path next season um okay. yeah i would agree I would, I would, no, I would agree. Um, I think the interesting thing is it one a lot hinges on the health of, of Miami and the age of those players you touched on it. And Jimmy Butler, it's a lot of miles on his body as well. So, what that team looks like with Lowry and PJ Tucker and Jimmy Butler, I mean, the warning signs that this could fall off a cliff in a year or two are certainly there. Boston, it's more tinkering on the yeah. edges. They'll for guys, yeah. but they'll be good, right, with that core that they have. The Bucks, you know, for at least for a couple more years, have Giannis and Chris and Drew. The interesting ones to me are um, Philadelphia and how that moves forward for the same reasons we said about guys like Kyle Lowry and, you know, and, and P.J. Tucker and, and Jimmy Butler. We've seen an even more rapid deterioration from James Harden, and I would assume he's going to be back there. So what that team looks like, in the next couple of years and, and I tell you what, that would be pretty... sad. Let me just say it's gonna be sad. Well, if he, I, I think if he we would all to decline, I tell you. I, I think yeah, we would all feel that way. And I think the other one where people would feel that way is Brooklyn to me is really intriguing as well because who knows what's gonna happen with Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant's another guy, he's still great, but we've seen he needs help around him as every player does. But he's no longer the guy that was, you know, just the slim sniper in the finals. He's still great, but he needs more help around him, and it's not there in Brooklyn. Atlanta has taken a step backward, and I would assume they're going to make some moves in the offseason. So to me, the constants are still the Bucks, the Heat, and the Celtics moving forward, and that's what really gives you the biggest sense of, I don't want to say relief, but at least the window is still open, barring any major moves by other teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say, as much as you know, we've spoken about the fact that Tatum is up and then he's down and then he's he's pretty inconsistent for a guy that's seen as a superstar. Uh, he's still in the age where you su- could suspect that there's still a significant leap, whether it's next season, 
uh, the season after. We'll see whether that ends up uh, coming through and he ends up being a player uh, of that court, like, you know, maybe a, a Durant-level scorer or, or whatever. And, like, will he get to that consistently over a decade? Probably not. But uh, certainly for a season or two, you know, it's it's possible. He's still of that age. So, yeah, Boston, Boston will be up there. They're probably... Uh, the main contender right now, and maybe Brooklyn does something if if Kyrie Irving doesn't come back. And by the way, if he if Kyrie Irving does decide to stay there, who knows? You know what kind of off court antics there's going to be. But you know, if they've got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and they do actually stay healthy and they play a full season, then yes, they're going to be there. Uh, and who knows what happens with Ben Simmons? But th- th- it's not like at the beginning of last year where you looked and you're like. The Nets looked fantastic when they had Harden, Irving, and Durant on the floor. That it just never really happened, and you were just like, "Oh my goodness, this team is is genuinely." And people try and say that, yeah. "No, I wasn't worried about Brooklyn. They were <laughs> scintillating when those three played together, and they were a team to be feared." I, I don't, I don't think there's a team to be feared. I, I think it was basically the exact same way that I certainly felt about this series against the Celtics without Chris. I think we should add the caveat there, but I think it was the exact same way Bucks fans felt going into that where you thought, all right, I don't expect to beat this team, but let's, let's see how this team stacks up against them, especially last year with that trio and the moves the Bucks made, you thought, okay, it's still going to be really tough. I think I picked the Nets to win in seven in that series. Um, but I, I'm curious to see how this team responds against them. It was the same as with the Celtics where you knew without Chris, this is going to be incredibly tough. I think the Celtics will win, but let's see what, what type of test the Bucks can give them. And I think the bigger point you were making as well is when you compare the conferences, all those teams we just named, you know, name the team in the East. That's a team on the rise. That's in that upper echelon with a chance to win a championship. It's really just Boston that's done it this year. I mean, Miami is, it's getting older. The Bucks are a team getting older. Joel Embiid is getting older as well. And James Harden certainly is. And what we said about Brooklyn, they're in that camp in the West. It's, it's the opposite where, Basically, outside of the Suns, it's mostly teams that are at least younger and just starting to experience winning, or they've blended that veteran with young guys like what the Warriors are doing. Yeah, uh, you know, Memphis is obviously already there. Um, yeah, they've they've got steps, but they Minnesota, already... I suppose you could put in there for what and, they've and done so far. In New the Orleans too. Yeah, New, New Orleans is going to be a team that I think people think uh, are going to get better, and I, I think again they've got an Alatol. I think they're pick six or seven. Or eight, no. it's, it's six, seven, or eight. They're around the, that that order in the, the draft. So they're the right Clippers there. are the big one. Yeah, the yeah, Clippers are yeah. the big one because we we kind of forget. Oh yeah, Kawhi Leonard didn't play last year. So what he looks like and the moves that they made to take on the tax hits that they did, knowing we got this lined up for next year, it's going to be interesting to see the Clippers. So just stay healthy, uh, and uh, life's looking not so bad in the Eastern Conference for the rest of up. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, by the way, after their uh, second round exits. Uh, all right, let's talk about True Bill. We're going to get to the free agents next, a couple of names. Uh, but let's talk about True Bill, which is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need once or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to 720 bucks a year with True Bill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. True Bill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts. And True Bill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. I, I told you guys previously about my uh, gym membership situation in Milwaukee. Uh, I haven't lived in Milwaukee for two years, and uh, turns out I was still paying for a gym membership, which seems a little unfair to me. If you if someone doesn't go there for well over twelve months, how does it just roll over? It feels like that is a scam. But True Bill would have helped me. There's no doubt about that. There's over two million users that. Uh, 
have saved uh, over $100 million uh, using Truebill. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on MBA. Go right now, truebill.com slash locked on MBA. Could save you thousands of dollars a year. All right, everyone always wants to talk about the free agents, Justin. This is what gets people excited uh, in the offseason and trades, but trades are a little bit more difficult to predict. Uh, I think for the most part, and we'll go through this again multiple times as you know, perhaps more names come to come to, uh, come to to the forefront here that as potential targets, maybe the Bucks make a move that opens up uh, some sort of spot. But just as, as a quick, super quick rough guide here, a few names as I was looking at the forward spot, um, you know, guys that can play you know, the four. Um, I think for the most part, the uh, the mysterious Giannis at the five lineups. I think that's probably what what hurt the Bucks uh, this year. And admittedly, again, they were obviously a key player down in the wing rotation. But uh, a few names that interesting to me: Thad Young. He he's going to be old. Uh, he's going to turn thirty four next season, I believe, or he will be thirty four through the season. Uh, the interesting thing with Thad Young is, and I can't say that I saw much of him at all this season. He spent half the season with San Antonio, was out of the rotation. Uh, my guy, uh, Jock Landau, just uh, to take a back seat, Thad Young, all right, Jock's coming through. He's going to get some minutes here. So uh, he ended up going to Toronto and played. Uh, didn't play as many minutes as he has previously. Uh, the production wasn't where it was previously. That was kind of a strange Toronto team where they, were, they would have a deep rotation. Everyone was kind of the same position. So I, I guess the point would be with that, I think most people would say he would be a pretty attractive option. Now, whether he's a minimum guy at this point in his career, probably not. He's probably more uh, you know, someone that if the Bucks decided to use that taxpayer MLE, I think he could fall in that bracket at his age. I think that would make sense. Uh, he's not Paul Millsap washed. Uh, I feel confident about that. But what does he have left? I'm not 100% sure. How do you feel about that? Um, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, where it's in terms of name value, it seems like, okay, perfect fit. He's a guy that's yeah. defended Giannis well throughout his career. So this is should be exactly what they need here. I didn't see a whole lot of him last year, and the age thing is the other. Uh, well, he's, he's he's making us a much, much older team. But um, I, I don't – I wouldn't be opposed to Thad Young. The problem is I don't think you're getting, even at 34 years old, you're not getting Thad Young on a veteran's minimum. And I don't know that I would use the taxpayer mid-level, which would be, what, around $7 million or so. Um, I don't know that I'd want to use that on him. I'd want to save that for somebody I think you could, and I know the list isn't great, but someone that could be a little more impactful on both ends. Can I interest you in a Kyle Anderson slow mo? And uh, the benefits uh, the benefits of uh, having Kyle Anderson would be if uh, you go to small ball lineups, Kyle Anderson comes on the floor, you take Brook Lopez off, and the speed of movement between Brook Lopez and Kyle Anderson very similar. So that is a nice consistency there. Kyle Anderson, you could definitely interest me in um, younger. You think than he's? 30. You think he's? You think he gets more money than that? Uh, MLA, perhaps a, a longer term deal. I think so. I would, I would think so. Yeah. Um, so with him, it's it's basically just kind of the conversation we always have with Bobby of selling him on. Look, we can't pay you as much, but we're going to win. So, <laughs> do you want to get paid more and have more financial security, or do you want to try and get a, a ring here in Milwaukee? Uh, and obviously, 
Uh, he played, as I just look it up here, 69 games, 22 minutes a night uh, for Memphis uh, this season. And you know, quite honestly, I mean, it's a pretty attractive situation probably to stay in Memphis as well. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what actually happens there. Uh, what about an absolute wild card? TJ Warren has played four games since the bubble, and uh, yeah, which is kind of funny because uh, the way that that man was playing in the bubble, he looked like he had multiple MVPs in his future. Yeah, it was Michael Jordan in the bubble. I mean, <laughs> TJ Warren again would definitely excite me. And, and so, I think kind... do you think he's a minimum. I mean, he hasn't played in two years. What, what, how could you possibly, as a franchise, maybe if you're a poor um, franchise, pay him a little bit more? But so the thing about Kyle or not Kyle Anderson about TJ Warren is I'm trying to see what did so Victor Oladipo got the minimum and it's a great um, cup. I think that's what it's going to be is he goes to a team because he some of that kind of came out as well in Indiana that he just wanted to win so he is a guy I think you could potentially get for one of those type of prove it deals that you know we got this guy for this year what you thought you had with Bobby Portis too, where you get, we got him for this year, but it's going to be good news, bad news. If he really blows up, good news is he helps us and makes us much better. Bad news is we probably can't retain him next year, but I think that's the type of deal that he's going to get by one of those teams in, in the upper echelon in the East or West this off season. It's funny because we have seen uh, Oladipo in this Eastern conference finals on a team that is just struggling for any offense at all. Oladipo has been a guy that's been a bit of a spark. And uh, I, I thought, you know, going back a year ago, a year and a half ago, we were talking, and I was like, look, I would just take a chance. I would take a chance on this guy and see if he's got anything left. And I would probably do it with TJ Warren. Again, What's what would be the worst case that could happen? I mean, first of all, if he's ruled out and retires, fine. I, I literally don't know his health status right now or if he's cl- close to coming back. I do have a lot of faith. In the Bucks medical team, though, I'll, I'll tell you that much. And if he is healthy in, for you know training camp and those types of things, uh, what's the worst case? You have to have minimum deals anyway. And what he's a Rodney Hood, and like who cares? And then he's not going to play. I mean, it's there's there's not much to lose. I guess uh, is the point I'm making. What about the best name of the bunch, and perhaps uh, someone that uh, I would have great interest in uh, coming off an ACL? Joe Ingles, a late season addition to the team for the playoff run. I actually don't think uh, he would be available to play until probably late Jan, I think would be right. Um, I'm mostly joking, yeah. by the way, but I do love no, I know, I know, I know. Um, yeah, and that's absolute best case scenario too, especially for his age and, and what we see the, the recovery is on the ACL. <laughs> Not so much when you can get on the floor, but like when you're that guy again. It's a shame too because – as, as we joke about it now, but if Joe Ingles didn't blow at his ACL, Joe Ingles would have had a lot of interest from from teams that were contending this offseason. And maybe the Bucks. I think he would make sense there. Yeah, I mean, he, maybe there was, uh, you know, I, I don't think he was playing his best basketball oh. at, at the start of this NBA season. Uh, the one thing I would say uh, is that like many players, and he's obviously a little bit more advanced in age, uh, he had a pretty serious summer. Uh, playing with Australia in the Olympics. They went straight into playing with Utah. They had a playoff run uh, the year before. So I, I do think part of it was probably he needed a rest. Uh, I don't know if he's got anything left in the tank, but wherever he goes, hopefully uh, he comes back and plays because uh, Australia's got an Olympic campaign in 2024 to worry about, of course, which everyone cares about. Uh, all right. One last thing I've got for you before we wrap up this podcast. I should say, first of all, listen to the Locked On NBA podcast, the national podcast on the network. 
Uh, they'll keep you up to date with the uh, playoffs and everything's going on here. So we've spoken about this before. Uh, it's not basketball related, just to let you know. Uh, we've spoken about this uh, off camera before, just in our general, you know, bullshit that we we tend to do. Uh, better call Saul. And by the way, no spoilers here. So <laughs> I'm not going to like give away any spoilers. So no one needs to turn off if they haven't. It's just general talk about the show. I tweeted about this last night. Uh, and I have, I am up to date. I have seen what's happened. And I do want to say that this series of Better Call Saul so far is absolutely elite. It's unbelievable TV. It's just, it's brilliant stuff. And I think I've seen you tweeting about it. So I think you're, you're up to date as well. Uh, but I have a serious problem with these crazy people out there that are trying to say that it's better than Breaking Bad because I just can't wrap my head around that even being a possibility and people then turn around and say well Breaking Bad was slow I I would heavily push back on that I actually remember the second episode of Breaking Bad there was bodies getting melted in bathtubs and flying through the floors of houses there was all sorts of carnage going on by season two Better Call Saul the only reason I stuck with this show is because I knew that eventually there was going to be a payoff we had three seasons of watching Charles wrap himself in silver shit because he was scared of electricity or whatever the hell that storyline was. It was painful. This show was painful. There is no way in my mind that it is anywhere near Breaking Bad. But uh, I think we're getting a lovely payoff right now. I think it's like your tiers, like we discussed with NBA teams, that they are in the same tier of uh, elite show. And I look, I... I am willing to listen if you want to say it's better than Breaking Bad. I'm not going to dismiss it immediately, but I I, I will. I, I do <laughs> think that Breaking Bad was better. I'll hear you out. But I think the one thing you could really point to is um, when you look at this series, we knew most of the major finishes and in, in, in details. We knew the major story arc. We knew who was going to survive and not, for the most part, coming into the series. And they still made it suspenseful and compelling where you know Saul is going to live. And you know Mike and Gus and everybody else survives. You know from watching Breaking Bad who dies or who you think dies. And yet every week, especially this season, it's still like, I don't know how this is going to end. So in that regard, I can see where you'd say, man, what they're doing with this, it's better. But I would contend the fact that it came first and set up this entire universe and um, – and gave us more and more TV like that during that wave of television really taking over, I would contend that means Breaking Bad is better. But, um, but yeah, it, it's incredible. And the worst part is, so I haven't seen a whole lot of NBA playoffs because of uh, hockey, though that could be ending Friday. So I was watching the game because the Blues played at 8 o'clock or 8.50 was when the puck dropped. And Better Call Saul's on at 8 o'clock here. And I knew, like, I want to see this game and I don't want to have to be splitting my attention for the final 10 minutes of the show. And good thing I didn't. So I didn't watch it. I just watched it very, very late that night and getting texts from people that I could see, you know, in the preview of the text coming in, like this is about better call Saul and preemptively having to respond. I didn't watch it yet. So do not tell me anything to four or five people. Yes, and um, I did say no spoilers. I mean, I guess you hinted to some of the people that are going to live, and I, which brings up an interesting point because the reason why uh, I think that there's no way you can possibly say that Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad is because I think if you didn't know 
like I didn't think that any any sane person was continuing to sit through the first few seasons of Better Call Saul if they didn't know what was what was about to happen. Like I just don't think it was a compelling TV show at all, but it, it was because of Breaking Bad. So, but it would be well, interesting fact, if you didn't know one of the other one of the other draws is is especially for the second half of the season. I suppose this is kind of a spoiler, but people waiting for and when are Walt and Jesse going to show up and when is that going to kind of be introduced as we know they're going to make an appearance. We just don't know if it's brief, how long it is, what they're going to do, if anything, or do they just like show up on camera that, Oh, Saul's having a meeting with these guys. I do wonder if uh, like it would be, you know, I mean, like, there has to be some people out there in the world, our listeners that haven't watched either show. Uh, if you, you know, you just watch, better call Saul first it would be kind of interesting that would be like that would be, what a what a crazy universe that would be to uh to go through it that way that would uh that'd probably be pretty fun actually if you don't uh, know these yep. guys if you just start an actual order of the timeline events the the other interesting thing is how it's the prequel and it's very obvious that every single person that appeared in both series is much older in real <laughs> life than they were when this series first aired. And yet we're just willing to accept it of like, yeah, Bob Od- Odenkirk, man, he looks great. He's trim. <laughs> he looks totally different, older. But yeah, this happened before Breaking Bad. Well, in the middle of my rage tweeting last night about it, I did actually say, think to myself, you know what? I'm going to watch Breaking Bad again. But I, I already, I do already know what happened in the first two seasons. So I'm like, I'm going to skip that. I don't want to go through the whole series. It'll take me forever. So I started from season three. And that was the first thing I uh, noticed when I saw uh, Saul Goodman. I was like, man, he's looking, he's looking pretty good. He's, looking, he's, aged, he's aged well. He's looking fantastic. Yeah. Uh, all right, we don't do that very often. Frank will be very disappointed with me that I spoke about TV when he's not on the podcast. But uh, hopefully, Frank's back here soon. Hopefully, everything's going well with uh, you know whatever the hell he's up to. But we'll speak to him soon. Uh, Justin, always a pleasure. Like I said, Camille, and rest the voice, rest the voice. We need you back on the podcast as always. Hit us up in the comments. Let us know what you want us to talk about as we keep on rolling. Uh, we will catch you guys tomorrow.